Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with things that Charlie did. Chapter 31. The phone rang precisely at 7 p.m. It was Maria. Charlie, have you had time to think about this? Yes, let's stop it. It's time to take a stand. There was a long pause. He waited for a response. It really was up to her now. She'd had time to think about it, too. If her mind wasn't open to the possibility of trying to get everyone out of the mess, she never would have agreed to call him back. Tell me what you have in mind. I don't have a lot of time. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to explain this to me quickly. Where are you? Philip owns a flower shop. It's a cover for running drugs all over the place. I'm at the shop right now. The help has left for the evening and I'm about to lock up. I see, well, there's really not much to it at all. We get up into Santiago's face and tell them to back off and you're coming back with me. You're kidding, that's it, said Maria. I realize you didn't have much time to think through this, but there's no other way, Maria. Hold on, her voice sounded suddenly panicked. Charlie could hear the muffled sounds of voices. They sounded angry, argumentative. The phone sounded as if it had been dropped. What are you doing here? Demanded a male voice in the background in perfect English. I just came to check on the shop. Are you on the phone? Who are you talking to? There was the sound of the receiver being picked up. Hello? demanded the male voice. Charlie debated whether to respond or not. It must have been Philip Santiago. If he knew Maria was talking to Charlie, that could make things much worse. On the other hand, Philip had to know that Maria was aware of the fact that Charlie was in town. That would certainly explain how mad he was at catching Maria sneaking around. It didn't matter, though. A strong click, followed by a dial tone, came before Charlie could decide what to do. He turned to Carlos, who was laying on the bed with a wet cloth on his aching head. He said, I think he just caught me on the phone with her. Well, let's just go get her and figure it all out, said Carlos. You're not going anywhere, Carlos. Carlos tried to get off the bed anyway first moving his legs over the side, then trying to sit up. When he did, the color disappeared from around his lips. Charlie could see the small beads of sweat pop out on his face. He looked as if he were about to puke. He quickly laid back on the bed. He had a concussion. That much they now knew. Moving around wasn't a good idea at all. I think you may be right, said Carlos weakly. Look, I'll go get her. You stay put until we can get you out of here and to the doctor, said Charlie. He was mad at himself for not doing that during the day, but Carlos's condition had seemed better earlier, but it gradually deteriorated during the day. Where do I start? I don't even know where she is, said Charlie. Didn't you ask her? I know you did. I heard you. Charlie explained that she was at the flower shop. Go there. The name of the place was on the van last night. It said Bonita Flora. Charlie immediately began to tear through the phone book that 
had been returned to the nightstand. Carlos was able to roll over just enough to help him find the ad. In typical Santiago, overdoing it fashion, the ad was three quarters of a page long. Charlie started to dial the number, but Carlos tapped him on the arm. Wait, said Carlos. They must have caller ID. You really want to do that? Charlie thought, hesitated, and decided to note the address instead. A pencil and a piece of hotel stationery were found in the top drawer of the nightstand. He copied the numbers and street name quickly, folded the paper, stuck it in his pocket, and then during the day it had become evident that they were going to need a car and Charlie had arranged through the hotel for a rental to be delivered from the airport. A small red no-name job that looked even worse than the escort he'd driven in Mexico. Whatever, it didn't matter. Getting to Maria any way possible was a must. Stay put, he said to Carlos. Carlos returned with the thumbs up as if to say good luck. There wasn't time for anything else. He skipped the wait at the elevator and went straight to the stairs. It didn't take two minutes for him to be standing at the counter with his unfolded piece of paper opened and being read by the desk clerk. As luck would have it, the young girl spoke no English at all. She did understand what Charlie wanted, though, and was able to sketch out a rough map. She was going on in Spanish and pointing to her watch as if to tell Charlie the place was probably going to be closed. He simply smiled and took off at a gallop, leaving her with a puzzled look on her face. The map turned out to be a good one. The streets were well marked and there weren't that many turns to complicate matters. Fifteen minutes from the hotel had him sitting at a stoplight directly in front of the shop. He'd almost driven past it. A large neon sign saying Bonita Flora sat atop the very modern looking single story concrete and glass store. In the parking lot were several delivery vans like the one Maria had driven. They sat lined up in a perfect row at the corner of the large parking area. Charlie slowly pulled into the parking lot looking for some sign of movement within the shop. Although the neon sign was on, the inside was dark. No sign that Charlie could see indicated that the place was closed. Two cars sat side by side in the parking lot, both parked in the two spaces closest to the entrance. A silver Mercedes that couldn't have been more than a year or so old, sat next to a gold Range Rover. Could it be Maria and Philip Santiago? He decided to simply leave the parking lot to make it look like someone was just turning around, going back into traffic through the intersection and looking for a place to park so he could walk onto the store's property without being noticed only took a few minutes. A small restaurant made a great spot. Lots of traffic seemed to be coming and going through the parking lot. Good, he'd be unnoticed there. The ground was moist in the grassy areas from the frequent rains as he walked at a steady pace back to the flower shop. 
He made his way to the side of the shop where a concrete alleyway held two large trash bins. Each looked full and smelled of discarded flowers and greenery. Empty cardboard boxes peeked over the top of each bin. A quick peek around the corner into the front glass of the store proved to show no movement. Dark, quiet, he could almost sense that no one was in the front. Whoever the Mercedes and Range Rover belonged to must be in the back. Going in that direction, he was careful to step lightly. Taking chances wasn't a good idea here. He creeped to the corner of the building and slowly looked around it. A loading dock made of concrete covered one half of the building's rear. Large bay doors resembling garage doors were spaced along the dock. Three of them in all. It took a little effort, but Charlie pulled himself up onto the waist-high dock without making any noise. He slowly walked the dock until he made it to the first door. Pressing his ear against the warm aluminum, he strained to listen for any sign of voices inside. There was nothing. He moved to the next door. For such a modern-looking building, the lighting was really poor in the back. It was probably that way on purpose to make it easier to load and unload Santiago's illegal cargo in the dead of night. The further he moved from the lone outdoor lamp mounted on the corner of the shop, the less light was available. A noise toward the third door startled him. A scratching sound. Once, twice, then a third time. It required investigation. He moved closer, slowly, stepping ever so gently toward the third door. It was so far from the one dim light that he could barely see what was around him. One thing was for sure. The scratching sound wasn't stopping. He put his ear against the third metal bay door and listened. Before he could make out what it was he was hearing, he felt something on his foot. He looked down. A rat the size of his size 10 shoes scurried across his foot. The shock caused him to bump loudly into the aluminum door, making a very loud sound. Suddenly, another light came on. It lit up the entire back door area. The light was so bright, opposite to what he had been on before, that it took a few moments for his eyes to adjust. After adjusting, he was able to get his bearings and think. Jumping from the dock was his first move. He landed hard on the blacktop that provided access to the loading dock. Keeping crouched down, he pressed himself against the dock in an effort not to be seen. It must have worked because after what seemed at the time more like a lifetime, but only a matter of a couple of minutes, the bright light was off again. Darkness once more surrounded him. Someone had heard him, but who? It didn't take long to answer that question. Before he even had time to consider his next move, he felt a cold steel against the back of his neck. There was no mistaking what that was. It could only be the barrel of a gun. Turn him around, came a voice from behind him. He felt hands go to his shoulders and twist him in the other direction. 
There before him was a snub-nosed 38 Special and two men, neither of which he had ever met before, but he knew exactly who they were, Enrique and Philip Santiago. So we finally meet, said the one with the gun. Sorry it had to be like this. Which one are you, asked Charlie sarcastically. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Enrique Santiago, and this is my brother Philip. Oh, did you hear? Philip's getting married. He was chuckling now with pleasure in his ability to upset Charlie. A cold, evil, sadistic sort of grin was on his face. Where's Maria? Charlie demanded. He reached up with his hands at Enrique, ignoring the gun, but was coldly stopped with a punch in the stomach that sent him doubling over in pain. With the Santiago brother on either arm, the men made their way back onto the dock, Charlie being forced up after Enrique. The barrel of the chrome-plated revolver no more than a few inches from his nose the entire time. Once on the dock, the light was a little bit better, but still the Santiago brothers' features remained cloaked in darkness. Both of the men were trim and smelled of expensive cologne. Charlie recognized the smell. He didn't know the name of the stuff, but he did know it could only be purchased at stores in Paris. These guys most likely were who they said they were. $300 an ounce cologne. Yes, it was certain that's who they were. The taller of the two pulled keys from his pocket while the other kept the gun close to Charlie's face. One of the bay doors slid open and Charlie was pushed inside. I want to know where Maria is, he demanded again. Lights came on in the warehouse space. Now the Santiago brothers could be clearly distinguished from each other. The one with the gun, Enrique, had the looks that Margarita and Michael had explained to him. Muscular, tall, brown eyes, straight jawline. They looked just like they had been described to him. He was standing next to the brother with a look that could kill, and he probably had before. Tall, like his brother, he had that playboy sort of look to him. Charlie had seen it a lot among the jet-set crowd in his travels abroad. Fake. Hair way too long for his age and blue jeans that left one wondering if he were able to get them off once on. The custom-made collarless shirt was offset by three gold chains, a gold wrist bracelet, and a pinky ring sporting a diamond the size of Rhode Island. Even though the diamond and gold were probably real, the dude reeked of fake. Once inside, Charlie's heart sunk into his gut. There sat Maria in a wooden chair. Her face was in her hands and she was sobbing. The squirrel stood next to her. The fluorescent overhead lights were bright and shiny. Maria, there was pity in Charlie's voice. Leave, Charlie, she said. Please. Together, in danger, no fear. Despite what she was saying, Charlie knew this wasn't what she wanted. It was time to take a stand. Without even giving himself a chance to second-guess his action, he lunged at the man with the gun. 
The gun fired loudly. His ears rang and the air filled with the smell of fired bullet. The smell and sounds were followed by the sound of groans coming from behind as he wrestled with Enrique Santiago. The squirrel was doubled over on the floor with a pool of blood gathering quickly under his body. The groaning sound stopped as quickly as it started. The squirrel had gone to be creepy in another world. Charlie managed to get his hands on the gun, only for a moment though, because in eye blinks of time, the fight was constantly changing. There was a boot to his ribs, not once, but twice. Two on one, but he seemed to be holding his own. Maria was quick to jump into his aid, realizing that he was most likely in a fight, not just for the possession of the gun, but for his life. She wrestled with Philip as Charlie rolled on the floor. There were grunts and goans coming from all different directions. Charlie didn't see Maria pick up the chair she'd been sitting in and crash it into Philip's back. He heard it, though, and immediately realized what had happened. Philip was out cold and Maria was quickly helping to wrestle the gun from Enrique's hand. Together they made short work of it. Hit him with it, cried Maria. Charlie hesitated. The gun now was in his right hand and his left forearm was across Philip's throat. He glanced at Maria as if to say, I can't, but there was no need for that. Before he could give it a second thought, she grabbed the revolver from his hand and planted the wooden handle squarely on his face. Maria hit the drug-dealing manipulator's head, and she hit it hard. His eyelids fluttered. His body went limp. He was out cold, too. It wasn't going to last forever. Eventually, both of them would come, too. Run. Get out of there go. Don't look back. Keep going until... Until what? The world is way too small for people with money. Fake. Was there really any place to hide? On the other hand, what else could they do? Let's go, Maria. Let's get out of here. Okay, she said. Wait, though. Her voice was winded, as if she'd run the 100-yard dash, giving it all she had, and got second. I need something. What? asked Charlie. It'll just take a second. Make sure these creeps don't wake up. She handed Charlie the gun and disappeared between the metal shelves that reached from the floor to the ceiling, stocked with boxes of only God knows what. She'd only been gone for a few minutes when Enrique began to stir. Charlie just couldn't bring himself to hit the guy on the head again. His perfect hair was already matted with blood from the first encounter with the butt end of the revolver. Not long after, Philip started to come back to life. Time to go. Maria, Charlie called while trying to follow the same route through the maze of strange shells he'd seen her take. There was no answer though. She'd gotten too far ahead of him. There were groggy voices not too far behind. The creeps were coming out of their haze. Footsteps followed. Not good. Left, right, another left. He'd seen those same boxes on that same shelf before. No telling. They all looked the same. 
The footsteps behind him were quicker now. Two pairs of expensive Italian shoes pointed at Charlie and eventually Maria. They had the advantage. They knew where to go. The quicker Charlie stepped, the quicker the steps were behind him. He continually looked over his shoulder and carefully peeked around every corner. Every time it was the same, boxes of whatever stacked to the ceiling on aluminum shelves. Finally, though, he came to what he thought might be a dead end. It was, but a small office was there, and so was Maria. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Things That Charlie Did, the last chapter and epilogue. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.